0: This is an interactive livecast, and we welcome your questions. To ask a question during the live cast, use the comment or chat features. Now get ready to dive into this week's topics with our hosts on location in Colorado, USA.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Richard Harris, and I want to welcome you to the Truth and Liberty livecast. It's going to be a great show tonight we have as our special guest, uh, retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, and uh, we're going to give him a proper introduction in just a minute. And also I'm really excited to have as my co-host tonight, Ken Davis. Uh, Ken is um, a certified constitutional coach with the Patriot Academy, leads the culture impact team at uh, our good friend Mark Cowart's church, church for all nations. And he also, is one of the excellent uh instructors in the practical government school at karis bible college so ken i'm uh, pleased to have you with us tonight and uh, general boykin and uh, it's going to be a great show before we get into it though i've got some information i want to share with everybody if you're watching tonight uh, via YouTube, I want to encourage you to jump off of the YouTube and go watch on our website directly at truthandliberty.net. Uh, we've been censored several times by YouTube in the last few months. And uh, so your experience will be a lot more reliable if you watch directly on our website. Same thing for Facebook. Uh, so go to truthandliberty.net and watch live there. And speaking of our website, if you haven't checked out our resources page at Truth and Liberty, you need to do that. I'm telling you, there are hundreds of resources and links on there, all designed to equip you, uh, to help you uh, to stand for truth in the public square. Just to mention a few, um, we've got a link there now for Andrew's latest legacy project, uh, Andrew Womack's latest legacy project. It's called Biblical Worldview, and this is a... um, it's a series of, uh, of presentations by people who are experts in the area of socialism, including people like Alex McFarland, uh, former Congressman Bob McEwen and others. And uh, it's, a, it's an incredible resource. Um, a number of other things are my latest blog on the, the George Barner research covering the millennial generation. Man, I think all pastors need to read that blog and study George Barner's results because this is a lost generation and lots of other information. So check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net. Also, there's some great events coming up at Andrew Womack Ministries you won't wanna miss. Uh, Andrew just completed the uh, Phoenix Gospel Truth Conference in Phoenix, Arizona. It was a great time as he ministered with uh, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Coming up in February 10th through the 12th is the Orlando, Florida Gospel Truth Conference. And that's going to be a great time as well. March 10th through the 12th, the Karas Men's Advance. This is one of the funnest times. I tell you, he's going to have um, uh, oh, J.B. Brown, the uh, CBS uh, sports announcer and former uh, coach, Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy are going to be ministering along with Andrew and a host of other Uh, Anointed leaders at the Men's Advance, March 10th through the 12th at Karis Bible College. And also mark your calendars for Campus Days, April 6th through the 8th at Karis. I love Campus Days. It's one of my favorite events of the year. I tell you, people's lives get changed. If you're wondering, you know, God, are you calling me to something greater? And you're struggling with that calling, trying to figure out what he wants to do. Or maybe you're wondering, how do I live this victorious Christian life? There's no place better for you to figure that out than karis bibles college so check out uh, campus days april 6th through the 8th um if you're not a subscriber to truth and liberty i want to encourage you to become one just go on our website and click subscribe and give us your email we'll begin sending you our blogs and our, um, our other uh, information that we send out a couple times a week, all designed to help you stand for truth in the public square. And uh, we're doing awesome things. God is doing awesome things at Truth and Liberty. If you wanna be a part of that and you wanna contribute to that, you can do that on our website, on the donate page. Just And also I wanna encourage you to consider becoming a member. For just a recurring contribution of $5 or more per month, you can become a Truth and Liberty Coalition member. And when you do, we'll send you a free copy of Alex McFarland's book, uh, the, I think it's called, I don't have a copy with me now, Ken, help me out. I think it's called uh, Destruction of America, Say What Can You Do to Save America Before It's Too Late. You don't have a copy on the desk there, do you, brother? No, sir. Okay, well, normally I do, but I can't, I'm not in studio tonight. But remember, your donations to Truth and Liberty are not tax deductible because we're a 501C4, not a 501C3. But God notices, and they are going to advance the kingdom of God, no question about that. Last thing tonight is if you need prayer, you want someone to stand with you in prayer tonight. Andrew has a team of Word of God-trained, spirit-filled prayer ministers standing by 24-7. Just call into our phone center at 719-635-1111, and someone will agree with you in prayer. So that's all I've got tonight, and I'm gonna kick it over now to Ken Davis, who's gonna introduce our special guest.
2: Well, thank you, Richard. Uh, As Richard has already told you, my name is Ken Davis, and I am privileged uh, to introduce our guest tonight, Uh, His name is retired Lieutenant General William G. Boykin. Uh, He serves as Family Research Council's Executive Vice President. Uh, He was one of the original members of the U.S. Army's Delta Force. He was privileged to ultimately command these elite warriors in combat operations. Later, uh, William Boykin commanded all the Army's Green Berets, as well as Special Warfare Center and school. In all, Lieutenant General Boykin has spent 36 years in the Army serving his last four years as Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for for Intelligence. He's an ordained minister with a passion for spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and encouraging Christians to become warriors in God's kingdom. William and his wife Ashley enjoy spending time with their five children, and the growing number of grandchildren. I'd love to know what that number is, uh, <laughs> if you've got it off the top of your head. But uh, with that, General Boykin, we're so glad to have you. We greatly appreciate your service to this nation and your patriotism. Um, but I'd like to know, if you don't mind, uh, let's let's go right into questions here. Uh, on January 5th, Congressman Gates and Congresswoman Taylor Green held a press conference uh, in which they discussed, and listen, the truth is we don't uh, WE DON'T CONDONE WHAT HAPPENED ON JANUARY 6th. WE DON'T THINK THAT, that PEOPLE uh, BREACHING uh, THE PEOPLE'S HOUSE, IF YOU WILL, IN THAT MANNER WAS PROPERLY DONE, It WAS PROPER AT ALL uh, TO BE DONE. AND SO uh, I'M CURIOUS IF YOU'VE HEARD ANYTHING ABOUT WHAT'S GOING ON WITH WHAT uh, THE TWO CONGRESS PEOPLE HAVE PRESENTED TO US LAST WEEK.
3: WELL, I, NO, I DON'T KNOW A WHOLE LOT. Uh, I and I agree with you uh, the breach of the Capitol was an egregious event and and I suspect that the majority of those people that went in there uh, would like to have a do over on that and uh, but it was still wrong nonetheless and I, I think that uh, what what we need to understand is that uh, ever since that occurred we have been living through a big con uh, a big psychological operation. And the whole idea is for Nancy Pelosi and the uh, extreme elements of the Democratic Party to convince America that we, you and I, and and, and Richard, and people like us, uh, uh, we are uh, terrorists. We're domestic terrorists because we are Christian conservatives who love the flag. We love the country. Uh, We speak the truth. We speak the truth from a Biblical perspective. We see the world through a Biblical lens, and uh, it's called a Biblical worldview. And uh, they have tried to do everything possible to make sure that we are uh, identified as and lifted up as uh, domestic terrorists, and nothing could be further from the truth because WE DO TRULY LOVE AMERICA, AND uh, MANY OF US have, uh, HAVE INVESTED
1: A LOT IN THIS COUNTRY.
2: ABSOLUTELY. And RICHARD?
1: YEAH. WELL, GENERAL BOYKIN, YOU KNOW, ONE OF THE THINGS WHEN I THINK ABOUT JANUARY 6TH, I'M, I'm LIKE YOU. MY HEART grieves THAT IT HAPPENED. IT'S uh, KIND OF SHOCKING THAT IT EVER HAPPENED. BUT IT FEELS LIKE we, WE'RE STILL WAITING FOR ANSWERS AND uh, THAT ALL WE'RE GETTING IS POLITICAL THEATER. Um, like, I, I've got questions like, is it true that Capitol Police opened the doors and allowed people to enter? Um, and uh, uh, what happened with the shooting of the retired Air Force officer? And, and why do we have 100 uh, people approximately still sitting in jail in Washington, D.C., without their cases being processed? Uh, w- what do you think needs to happen from this point forward regarding January 6th?
3: First of all, if it was up to me, I would disestablish this uh, 6th January commission and I'd start all over and I'd put a balanced uh, group of people there, people from both parties, an equal number from both parties. And I'd find those that have a reputation for being willing to speak the truth and speak truth to power, because what you have there now, uh, you're not going to get the truth out of this this commission. It's not going to happen. It can't happen. And you're talking about people here that are, first of all, they're tainted because they have already shown their disdain for Donald Trump. Well, if you're going to go in there and be part of this, you can dislike Donald Trump, but you've got to be willing to look at the evidence, be objective about it, and then make a judgment. And I think that the people that are on that commission right now are incapable of doing that just based on their own actions and their own words. So I disestablish that
1: and start all over again. Well, uh, shifting gears here, I uh, I saw, I think it was yesterday in the headlines that we have yet another Democratic member of the House that is choosing not to run for re-election. Um, you know, last fall uh, we had a interim uh, school board elections and of course in the state of Virginia and New Jersey you had off-year elections and and it was a route for the uh, uh, by the Republicans of the Democrats. Do you think they're seeing the handwriting on the wall in 2022? What do you expect for the election cycle coming up?
3: Yeah, I don't think there's any question that the Republicans. I mean, the Democrats know they're in in very deep trouble. But here again, and you and I talked a little before we went on camera here. You know, the Republicans have to handle this right. You know, it doesn't just because people are getting fed up with them doesn't mean they're automatically going to bring Republicans in to replace them. You know, the Republicans have to show some fortitude, and they all also have to show that they have a plan, they have the courage to stand with that plan, and to do the right thing. And and quite frankly, there have been times when that has not been the case. Now, all of that said, I want to point out something. I live in Virginia. And that was a clean sweep in Virginia. The governor, the lieutenant governor, the legislature, and the attorney general all went to the Republican Party. But the county where all of this started was Loudoun County. Mm -hmm. That's right outside of Washington. Do you know that the Democrats held Loudoun County? The Mm -hmm. county where everything started. Now, what does that tell you? What it tells you is you don't need a majority. You need a very committed group of people. And those women Mm -hmm. that stood up there and spoke truth to power at those school board meetings and at those town council meetings, they are America's heroes today Mm -hmm. because they have ushered in the beginning of change in this country, and they are speaking for all of us. They're speaking for all of us when they get up there and speak. They're speaking for all of us, and people are listening. And it's—I'm it, telling you—it's going to have a—it's going to have an impact in this year's election.
1: You know, uh, uh, we've been saying it for a while here at Truth and Liberty. We're not original on this. I know. Um, uh, our good friend David Barton has been saying it and others, but this kind of highlights the importance of local involvement, doesn't it, right? For Americans to get involved at a local level, your school boards, your precincts, and and all those kinds of places. Is thats is that where real change starts?
3: You know, uh, I'm at the Family Research Council, as was said earlier, and, uh, for the last uh, probably nine months, we have been running since, I think, since maybe October, but not October, but since August of last year, we have been running training sessions for people that were gonna run for a school board. That's how important we believe the school boards are. Because it all, I mean, you stop and think about it. If You know, who was it? Was it Hitler that said, give me your children? and"? And I can change your society or words to that effect. Well, that's exactly what's happened with the Marxists. That's exactly what's happened with the Communist Party USA. They told us in 1958 in a book called The Naked Communists. They told us that they were going to go after the schools and they were going to they were going to take history out of the schools and they were going to inculcate socialism and that they were going to unionize teachers so that they could control the curriculum and all the things that they were going to do, and, and they've done it. So now, unscrambling that mess is an even more difficult proposition, but it's coming because now I think that this this is the this is the ground zero, or the school boards, and I tell you, if the, those people that are, are willing to do so, I would encourage you to go to the school board, and by the way run for school board it doesn't matter if you don't have kids in that school s- system or not you're an american and you live in a community in america that needs your help and you as a patriotic american if you go and run for that school board and then stop some of the nonsense that's happening there you, you're going to do your country and your posterity a great service
2: mm-hmm. General Boykin, uh, on that note, uh, because we have seen, uh, even in our own state, we've already seen where uh, school boards have been, I guess if you will, retaken, uh, and so there's been a focus, obviously, on the right at some of these lower level wins, uh, this this more grassroots, ground level uh, wins. Uh, but I was reading earlier today that a Democrat, a prominent Democrat, had made the comment that Republicans. Uh, are, are becoming very good at winning locally uh, do you believe that the left will will take will refocus energy uh, now that they're seeing that there's that level of, of fervent uh, action if you will from uh, from the right on these on these local victories
3: yeah what the left has is a lot of money um, they don't have ideas I mean their ideas are for, for the most part, don't set well with the average American. You you've got a small sector of this country that buys into their their ideology, their theology. Uh, but I think that for the for the most part, their ideas don't set well with Americans. So what they do have is money. They're going to focus on some uh, critical races. They're going to focus on critical races that they believe that with enough money they can win. And uh, But I must tell you that uh, there is a lot of work. People are frustrated, but people don't think that there's any work being done on uh, voter integrity, on election integrity. But there is a lot of work being done on that. And I don't know if you just saw that uh, True the Vote, with Katherine Engelbrecht, has has just uh, been uh, given permission. Uh, to do some things up in, uh, I think it's Pennsylvania is where it will begin, but uh, and and even down in Georgia, as a matter of fact, uh, mm-hmm. over these ballot boxes that were paid for by Mark Zuckerberg, and and she has videos of uh, people at between two and five in the morning going up and stuffing these boxes, just stuffing them, and they have videos of that. So. There is a lot being done, so I just want to say to all the people who are worried about that, but we'll never have another fair election, well, don't don't say that. That becomes self-fulfilling prophecy. Don't say that, uh, because there's a lot of people working hard on this right now, but I, I tell you, I, I believe that what you're going to see is, I think you will see, a Republican takeover. The question is, what are you going to do with it? are you going to have the character and the courage to start rolling back some of this stuff that has been implemented in the Biden administration see that's what the republicans never do that and what's got to happen is we got to roll some of this stuff back you see the the democrats and i know i'm talking probably more than you want but the democrats no. are very are very smart in what they do here because when they set these these giveaways up, that's just what they come across as to people. This is a giveaway. We're giving you something. So when the Republicans come in and they want to roll it back, we're taking something away from you. Hmm. It's a smart, it's a smart way to go about it. But they gotta yeah. be willing to do that. And they gotta be willing to say, I'm only maybe I'm only in for one one two year term in the House of Representatives or one six year term in the Senate. Awesome. But they've got to have the courage to start rolling these things back because the middle moves every time the Democrats get in. It moves to the left and it never goes back. Mm -hmm. And then stop and think about it. That's part of the problem. You got a new start point every time.
1: Yeah, what what they call middle today was uh, far left 20 years ago. (laughs) Think about John Um, Kennedy.
3: John Kennedy would have been a conservative, a rock solid conservative
1: today. Yeah, no question about it. Well, you know, there's some good news out there, isn't there? Uh, You you were talking before we came on uh, about a victory related to their effort to draft women into the U.S. Armed Forces. You want to talk about that a little bit? What's what happened there?
3: yeah thank you very much for for bringing that up because the Democrats have for and it's not just under the Biden administration they started several years ago wanting to draft women and uh, and you actually had some ill-informed Republicans that jumped on that bandwagon mm-hmm. but I think a lot of the conservative think tanks in in Washington, to to include the Family Research Council, we we got with the members of Congress and explained to them how this was not in the best interest of this nation as a whole, of, of the ethos of this nation, of the values of this nation, for us to draft our women. It's bad enough that we let Barack Obama put women in infantry. And special operations Mm -hmm. out on the front line at the same time that the Congress was passing a law called Violence Against Women Act, VAWA. On the one hand, we said, You need to be protected. And Mm -hmm. out of the other side of our mouth, we were saying, now you're just like a man and you can go in there and you can go up against that enemy on the other side of that line over there that is bound and determined to kill you and he's stronger than you and he is probably meaner than you are and he will kill you. Well, they wanted to to, to put something in this year's National Defense Authorization Act. That's the budget for the military. And uh, they wanted to draft women. And let me tell you, we all pulled our resources. We all came together. We found those members of Congress that were dead set against this, that really had the courage to stand up and say so, and we defeated it. We defeated it. People like Vicki Hartzler, you know, that uh, the Congresswoman out of Missouri, you know, what a a champion she has been in this whole fight of saying no, no, that's insanity. We're not gonna draft our women. And uh, what a, I mean, what a great win.
1: That's great. That's great. Well, thank God for Family Research Council and all the work you're doing. You know, there's a couple other bills that uh, got introduced at the beginning of this congressional session and uh, they've been uh, defeated various times, but they keep coming back with them. I wanted to ask if you could update our viewers on, um, I call it the federal takeover of elections bill. I think Ted Cruz called it the "Corrupt Politicians Employment Act" or something like that. But it's the originally it was HR 1, uh, where they want to um, prohibit uh, voter ID. They want to uh, make automatic voter registration anytime you get on a state website, and they want to allow by federal law ballot harvesting, all the corrupt practices that you know have led to all this election integrity controversy. Um, What's the status of that effort, uh, General Boykin? And uh, uh, is the battle over yet, or do we still need to be on guard? No, it's still
3: alive. It it is very much still alive. We, you know, it's it kind of we lost focus on it, and we thought it had gone away, but it hasn't. Uh, They're still pushing really hard for this, and there's even there is even talk of, and I don't know how. That would do this but there's even talk of doing this by uh, executive order you know and i and i think that constitutionally that would that would be immediately nixed i don't think there's yeah. any way that that yeah. could be done but you know the the president is determined on this thing he really wants this he wants this along with his build it back broke uh, <laughs> legislation too
1: he wants to get reelected <laughs> I don't know uh, if he, I don't know if he
3: actually believes that he will be around and, and be capable of running a second time. I mean, I, you know,
1: he must know that. Yeah, without this scheme in place, I don't think he stands any chance at all, uh, not to mention his health, but, uh, what about the, there was also HR five, which was the, uh, so-called equality act where the, uh, Democrats wanted to make a national sexual orientation, gender identity law, and in fact, even would would strip people of their right to assert a, uh, a freedom of conscience, freedom of religion objection. Uh, is that one still alive? It's still
3: very much alive, but what they're doing is they're, I, I think what you can expect to see is they're going to peel parts of that off and attach it to another bill. So by mm-hmm. the time you look at two or three bills you got the whole package is instead of a standalone bill uh, legislation that's voted on I I think they're going to place parts of it in other other bills but no they're very much look this is the the agenda of the Biden administration is driven more by the LGBT agenda than anything else Mm. anything else not the economy not the border, not even the voter, you know, the voter corruption. It's the LGBT agenda. And that, I cannot tell you why that is other than to simply say, and I, I hope that your listeners and viewers will will understand how I mean this, but it's diabolical. It's just diabolical.
2: I think it's kind of and, a follow uh, through. And so yeah. to, I, I so. believe it's just he's following through on what was started when he was vice president. Um, You -hmm. know, so a lot of the actions that were taken by then-President Obama, um, he's just, he's completing the work.
1: Yeah. Exactly right. Obama 2.0. Well, uh, I want to get to some military and foreign affairs questions, but uh, before I leave this subject, Uh, FRC does a great job of tracking federal legislation and sending out alerts to people to let them know when it's time to call the congressman and that sort of thing. If people want to be kept informed, how can they connect with the Family Research Council?
3: Yeah, connect with us at uh, FRC, that stands for Family Research Council, FRC.org. And I would uh, encourage uh, all of your viewers to uh, join us on wednesday nights for what we call pray vote stand it's a one-hour podcast and uh and what we we bring in members of congress and they talk about the very things that you're talking about richard and uh and and we talk about that for an hour there and update people on what's going on in, in these uh different uh categories of of issues
1: well, that's uh, that's awesome thank you so frc.org um i wanted to shift gears uh before we get to questions from the audience general and ask you about um some some issues related to the military and foreign affairs and i'm i'm curious um under the biden administration where is where are our armed forces in regard to their readiness uh, i think many people were shocked And uh, kind of scared and disillusioned by what happened in Afghanistan with the sudden pullout there, how terribly that was handled. And uh, what can you tell us at this point in time? Has has uh, Joe Biden done a good job leading our military or are we in trouble?
3: No, uh, we're in trouble. Uh, And Biden has not been a a good commander in chief. And, uh, you know, anybody that uh, that thinks that he has you. You're, you're not being realistic. Mm. You know. Um, let me just say a couple of things because this we could talk the rest of your time on this on this topic alone. Mm. Uh, the uh, the reality is that uh, our military is in a rapid decline. And it's in a rapid decline in large measure because we don't have any leadership. And you look at the guy that is the top general in the military, which, by the way, he's not a commander; he is a advisor, and that's Mark Milley, General Mark Milley. General Mark Milley, and I, and I will say this, and I, and and uh, I want to make sure that everybody understands it's not a misstatement on my part, but he needs to be taken before a court-martial because what he essentially did was he usurped the authority of the commander-in-chief and assumed a portion of that authority on himself he needs to be held accountable for that uh, so you look at
1: the fact that through- Can you just elaborate real quick, remind people what you're referring to that he did?
3: Yeah. Um, He has admitted to it, by the way. What he did was he called his counterpart in the Chinese People's Army. And he pledged to him that he would notify him if our president decided to launch any kind of attack. Now, if you read the definition of treason, it is giving aid and comfort. One of the definitions is giving aid and comfort to the enemy. Make no mistake, we're at war with China. We're at war with it. Uh, we're, not, we're not shooting at each other, at, at least not with bullets. But that, as far as I'm concerned, was treason. But the second thing he did was he got the staff there in the Pentagon together of the, of the joint chiefs of staff. And he told them, the senior people there, he said, if the president issues an order for nuclear strike, don't do anything until I give the clearance, hmm. until I'm in the loop. What is that? That's a coup. That's mm-hmm. a coup. Because you just usurp the president's authority. And by Article Two of the Constitution, the president is the commander in chief. You see, we got some yahoo's out there now that are saying, some retired generals that are, are, are out saying, well, we need to keep in mind that the uh, people's allegiance when they come into the military is to the Constitution. It's not to a man. Really? Well, read Article Two of the Constitution. It says that the president will be the commander in chief. And when you are an enlisted man in the military, you raise your right hand and you say, I'll do solemnly swear it'll support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And it goes on to say, and I will obey the orders of the president and the officers appointed over me. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So why is our military in such Uh, SUCH DECLINE TODAY IS BECAUSE WE HAVE PEOPLE LIKE THAT, THAT ARE THE SENIOR LEADERS IN OUR MILITARY, AND MANY OF THOSE PEOPLE WERE APPOINTED BY BARACK OBAMA. THEY GOT THEIR STARS UNDER BARACK OBAMA. AND THEY GOT THEIR STARS IN MANY CASES, NOT ALL CASES, IN MANY CASES THEY GOT THEIR STARS BECAUSE THEY WERE WILLING TO SUPPORT HIS AGENDA not because they had good combat records, not because they were great leaders. And now we're paying the price for that. So our military is in decline when you have commanders and leaders that are bullying their troops and saying, I'm giving you one hour to get this vaccination, or we're going to start out processing you, bullying our troops. Do you think that when you take those troops into combat that they're going to trust you? Do you think that, for one minute, that you're going to be an effective leader in a combat situation when you bullied your troops to get this vaccine that many of them don't want?
1: Mm. That's
3: probably as much as I need to say because I, I think I've overshot my time there. But
1: no, that that's amazing. Well, uh, I think, you know, you said that that these officers uh, got their stars because they're willing to follow Obama's agenda when you say agenda you're referring to a political agenda inside the military oh, yeah. is that right yeah yes that's correct and um, no, we're not talking about military readiness and and uh, issues along those lines we're talking about social you know remaking the military in in the leftist uh, uh, image you might say.
3: That is exactly right. And keep in mind that this all this wokeness is not new. I mean, this this, this goes back a ways. And when I say the agenda, the, the Obama agenda, I'm really talking about the agenda to inculcate into the ranks of our military uh, transvestites, transgender people that 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 are uh, they have gender dysphoria. It's a known, recognized illness. Yet you you put them into our military, into the ranks of our military, knowing that we're going to wind up spending tens of thousands of dollars to give them the hormone treatment that they need and then to do the surgery that they need. That doesn't make sense unless mm-hmm. you're a young colonel that wants to get ahead and you're willing to support that. Mm-hmm. But the point is. Uh, all of this uh, critical race theory, uh, all of this, uh, this white privilege, all of this stuff is all part of the woke culture, but it's, it's running, it's running, uh, directly head on with the military readiness and you can't have both. You can't have both. And we ought to be spending our time getting these people ready to go to war.
1: Yeah, well. I hate to say this, but speaking of war, I wanted to, before we go to viewer questions, get your analysis of the the current situation with uh, China and Taiwan. Uh, So there's been some rumblings there. Uh, China's made some pretty aggressive comments lately, uh, publicly uh, warning America not to interfere. Um, And of course, China's been rebuilding, not rebuilding, but amassing a, an incredible military force over the last 20 years. And um, I'm just concerned about that situation. I think you are too. Can you just give us your assessment of the situation?
3: Well, uh, needless to say, since uh, uh, Taiwan was Formosa and and broke away from China under Chiang Kai-shek, uh, China has wanted Taiwan back, just like they wanted Hong Kong. And they got Hong Kong. They want Taiwan back. They consider that part of, of, of China. And, uh, and then Jimmy Carter, you know, uh, recognized only uh, Beijing as the rightful capital of all of China uh, in, I think, 1978, the One China pol- Policy, as it was called. And uh, they took that as a sign of weakness. And now what they're seeing in Joe Biden is, a sign, is, is nothing but weakness. You go back to Afghanistan, you go back to what we're doing or not doing with uh, Ukraine. And now uh, the Chinese will not do anything aggressive uh, beyond feints and that type of thing, but they won't invade. Uh, until probably this time next year. And that is because the Chinese Communist Party has a a meeting every five years. They're not a democracy. So this is the meeting where the heads of the Chinese Communist Party actually decide who the next president is going to be. And probably this time they will choose uh, President Xi. But that meeting is not until either October or November of of this year, which means they will do nothing until that meeting is over with, and then they will decide what policies they're going to implement during the next five-year term. And uh, that is where we see a period of vulnerability because they will want to take Taiwan before Joe Biden goes out of office, because if they were to get another Donald Trump, uh, that, would, that would present new calculations into their planning there. So I think that it's a serious situation, but I don't think that it's going to happen for another year uh, because of the Chinese Communist
1: Party's meeting there. Well, well, General, what, uh, what would be the consequences to America's interests in the world if China takes Taiwan? i think a lot of people today look at it as well it's not really our business but but is it our business yeah
3: yeah well it's kind of like uh afghanistan we lost a lot of allies we lost a lot of people that were actually in treaties with us like the french and the british people that had had their own forces over there because we were attacked on 9-11 and then we didn't even tell them that we were pulling out so we lost a lot of friends and and that's going to be hard to get over um and we encouraged organizations and countries like china we encouraged them because we showed so much weakness and total disarray because our our military quite frankly was not up to the task certainly not our military leaders so I think that um, we are living in a very vulnerable period now uh, where we could lose this republic and I hate you know I don't want to be a doomsday guy we can also turn it around so let me make sure that I balance that by saying we can turn this the whole thing around but we got to be committed to it we got to be willing to work on it but we've also got to start at the polls and we mm-hmm. got to vote the right way. And, uh, and, and I think that that is the thing that um, will turn this around is, is committed people going to the polls and exercising their rights and then uh, go back to Second Chronicles. And that's where we've got to humble mm-hmm. ourselves. We've got to pray, we've got to mm-hmm. seek his face, got to turn from our wicked ways and really seek the lord and i think that his promise is just as valid today as when when that was written
1: amen 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 Amen. Amen. well we've kind of reached that point uh where we need to start taking some questions from our viewers and i suspect we've got some coming in this has been really great ken do we have any questions
2: yeah actually we've got several uh general boykin uh, before we went on air we were discussing uh, your feelings on January 6th and, and and you were grieved by what occurred. Uh, and so Lee asked, he, he heard that Vice President Kamala Harris compared January 6th to Pearl Harbor and 9-11. She states January 6th should be in the same category. What are your thoughts on that comparison?
3: Don't cast your pearls before swine. Um, She's not. It's not even worth responding to. I mean, this, this either she doesn't know one thing about history, or or she just she had got into the to the wine a little too early that day. I don't know what it is, but that that's so ridiculous. You know, it's it's not even worth. If we try to defend that kind of nonsense, we're putting ourselves in the wrong position and it was just foolishness
2: yeah that was my same thought when i heard her say it uh and and so we know that vaccine mandates are starting to impact uh, our military Uh, and so if you want to talk a little bit about about that as well uh, with this question um uh, stefana asked i'm sorry uh, the, the question is how do we believe the justices uh will what decision rendered a decision as they're as they're hearing about the vaccine mandates and the legality or constitutionality of them?
3: Yeah, I de- I, I think it depends on, on what you know which which one of the suits it is because they're not all alike. They're they each one of them is different. And get Richard to explain that because I think he's a lawyer and and but I like you anyhow, Richard. Just so you know, but every. <laughs> So far, not everyone, but most of the ones that have actually gotten into the circuit courts and and uh, and, and have really had a fair review, uh, they've been have gone against Biden, hmm. they've gone against him. And this one with the thirty-five seals, which God bless the seals. I never thought I'd say that. <laughs> God bless the seals. I love these guys, and uh, and and they're their suit just went in their favor here recently. Yeah. So I think that the majority of them, not all, but the majority of the suits that have actually gotten to the point where they could be adjudicated, uh, have gone against Biden and against his mandate.
2: Yeah, we are hearing so, some interesting comments coming out of Sotomayor and, and uh, uh, oh, a couple of the others, so.
3: Whatever, whatever, the vice president is drinking, I think, soda my to had a double dose, double potion of it because she's the one that said there were 100,000 babies or children. And you know how many there actually are? 3,500. 3,500,
2: yeah. 3, yeah. In,
3: in the hospital. Yeah. Now, you make that stuff yeah, up so- and you say that in public, and then people believe that. And they, and they never hear the retraction of something like that.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it, it is scary to hear justices on the Supreme Court be so misinformed and, and willing to surrender liberty um, for uh, the sake of a vaccine that is questionable in its efficacy and for a disease that has a 99.5% survival rate. So it's uh, it's amazing. Yeah. But you know, speaking Look, to the legalities of it, the case that the Supreme Court heard last week, they had oral argument on, is the vaccine mandate through the OSHA, the federal agency that governs employers. The military vaccine mandate is not uh, an act of Congress. That's coming down through the Department of Defense, and um, is is more fine. The issue there is a little bit more narrow. It's really just the religious rights of the of the. Of the members of the military, and is that a valid objection that they can assert to to not get the vaccine? At least that's my understanding of it. So that has not reached the U.S. Supreme Court yet. Hopefully, it will soon. But uh, I think it's in the it's Fifth a great, Circuit. Yeah, so I think that's a great that
3: was adjudicated at Fifth Circuit. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, is a con- one of the conservative uh, circuit courts, which uh, Donald Trump, yes. did because he placed some judges there it turned it.
1: Yeah, Yeah. thank you, Donald Trump.
2: Yeah. yeah. You, so now on to Stefano's question. Uh, is it biblical to require women uh, to draft into the military?
3: No, not in the Bible that I'm reading. I, <laughs> I don't see anything in there at all about the selective service system. And I think that just from a practical perspective uh, I, I do not believe that, uh, we can make a biblical case where we should be, uh, drafting women. I just don't, I don't
1: see that. And, and it's not even defensible from a national security point of view, is it? I mean, we don't need to draft women.
3: We do not. And we haven't had a draft since, what, 1973. And we've mm-hmm. been pretty much at war for a, a substantial portion of that time, and we haven't had to have uh, a, a, a legitimate draft. So yeah. I think it's foolishness. It's not. It's not no. about. It's not about needing people in the military. No. This is all again. This goes back to this radical leftist agenda. Right. And it's about yeah, it's, quote quality. Yeah. Equality at the same time we tell women you need to be protected with the violence against women act.
2: Yeah. 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 So another question from the audience um, and we're kind of we're going to go back here to to vaccines in the military. Uh, How has the military handled religious exemptions to vaccines in the past?
3: Hmm. Yeah, I am not sure that I can answer that because I've never I've never been confronted with that. we the the vaccines that we've had in the past have been a totally different situation they've been a long-standing test and and protocols associated with these other vaccines now there have been religious exemptions for Sikhs that want to wear a beard as part of their religion uh or uh, Jews that want to wear a yarmulke inside, which, as you probably know, you you don't wear uh, any kind of head covering inside unless it's a special occasion. And and there, you can go down the line, and there are multiple religious exemptions uh, that have been passed out through the decades. But I don't know that I can identify one that had anything to do with uh, a vaccination.
2: All right. Uh, Stacia, Stacia asked, if the military is on rapid decline, how can we as the body of Christ best pray?
3: Yeah. Well, we certainly need to be praying for the leadership of our military. And we need to be praying that, uh, that they will have an epiphany, they will have an awakening and realize that their job is to prepare the young men and women, the sons and daughters of America for war. Hmm. Douglas MacArthur said it in the West Point Mess Hall in 1963, when he said to the students there, your mission remains determined, fixed, inviolable. It is to win the nation's wars, period. Hmm. No, and associated with that. So we need to pray that the leadership of our military will see the burden upon them to ready our men and women, our sons and daughters, for war is overpowering, and they need to put that as the, their top priority. Secondly, pray that our young men and women are ready mm. when we're tasked to go to war, that they are ready, that they fight as one. Is like the 11th chapter of Hebrews. When God looked down there at the Tower of Babel and he said, they are acting as one. They can do anything. anything. Let's go down there and confuse their language. That's what we need in our military. We need to pray for that. We as Christians need to be praying that that our military will be unified. That race and religion and and ethnicity will make no difference but that they'll be able to stand as one and face the enemies of this nation.
2: That's mm-hmm. good. Uh, yeah, oftentimes okay. that's, that's misunderstood. I think people think that uh, he confused the language he was, uh, because he was upset with them acting as one. No, that wasn't the issue. The issue was they weren't fulfilling uh, what he commanded that, they, that the people do. And that is why he needed them to uh, separate, break apart and confuse the language. Uh, so lat, uh, you know one of the last questions here um, well I guess kind of two-part what are our, what are the national security risks presented by the situation in Ukraine and, and where do where are we right now in Afghanistan
3: yeah uh, the Ukraine is a is a, a difficult situation and the reason is the Russians uh, were allowed to take Crimea in 2014, and we didn't do anything. We just, we let them do it. And we slapped a few sanctions on them, but we, we let them do it. So, so now they have Joe Biden, and at that time they had Barack Obama, and he was a relative, relatively uh, untested, unknown, but now they have Joe Biden, and he has been around for 40 plus years. And uh, Putin is serious this time. I mean, if you look at what he's brought up to that border up there, and he's got well over 100,000 troops up there. It could go as high as 125 right now. And he's talking about 175. Uh, But he also brought air defense up there. He brought the enablers up there. He brought all the things to sustain his military if they go into the Ukraine. What do we need to do? What we need to do is we need to... uh, We need to give the Ukrainians every lethal weapon material that they ask for. I am not in favor of putting American troops on the ground in the Ukraine at this point. But it's important to understand that you got to look at it from Putin's side, too, to understand it. Not because I think these... He's right, but you got to understand. The Ukraine is a buffer between the East and the West. It's a buffer between Russia and NATO. And his greatest fear is that the Ukraine will join NATO. And that, as far as he is concerned, would just be an intolerable, unacceptable outcome of this. So, we need some heavy diplomacy here, figure out uh, how we're going to avoid war in the Ukraine. And I mm-hmm. don't think that we should think that this is just a feint uh, by, by him. This is a head fake by Putin. I think that he's serious about it, but I think it can be avoided. And I think it can be avoided if we, uh, if we do the right things, but we do it in a calculated way I'm all for putting more troops on the ground in places like Poland, uh, maybe even up in the the Baltic regions there. But uh, but for the time being, I I would not recommend putting troops on the ground in uh, Ukraine proper, but, uh, but give them all that they can possibly have because the reasons the Russians left Afghanistan after a 10 year campaign there The reason they left was because they were sending a lot of body bags home to moms and dads that they could not explain to them why their son Hmm. had been killed in afghanistan what were their goals what were their strategic objectives and uh, what we have to do is give the ukraine enough lethal weaponry that they can make this a tough fight ultimately the russians would probably prevail but they can make it a tough enough fight They're going to send a lot of Russians home in body bags, and the Russian people are not going to tolerate that. So we need to let them know that we're arming and equipping the Ukrainians, and it's going to be a bloody battle for them.
1: Wow, excellent, General. We're we're down to two minutes in in just uh, uh, you know forty five seconds or so. Um, are, are we still measuring the fallout from the pullout of Afghanistan, and what is the situation there? We are
3: indeed, and uh, we still have some very strained relationships. And uh, all you have to do is look at uh, some of the rhetoric coming out of North Korea now. Our allies uh, have have lost confidence in us, and our enemies have uh, have gained a lot of confidence by looking at us as being— incredibly
1: weak mm-hmm. well it's been such a privilege having you on general boykin yeah, what an honor. thank you again uh, for your service and i wanted to uh, remind everybody to go on frc.org uh, family research council's website sign up to receive uh, their emails and that kind of thing and also check out the pray vote stand weekly uh, uh, what would you call it, a webcast, uh, General, on Wednesday nights?
3: Yeah, it is. We we do it right out of our studios there in Washington, where we can get members
1: of Congress over to our building there. And it's uh, an hour long. Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights. And thank you, everybody, for watching tonight. Uh, Andrew will be back next week, as I will be, uh, on uh, the Truth and Liberty livecast. It's every Monday at 6 o'clock Mountain Time, 8 o'clock Eastern Time. In the meantime, be sure to check out our website, truthandliberty.net and the resources page there. And also the, uh, the great events that are coming up at Andrew Womack Ministries with the uh, uh, Orlando GTC, the Men's Advance and uh, Campus Days at Karis Bible College. And uh, also remember to subscribe and uh, pray about becoming a member of truth and liberty today so thanks again everybody for watching tonight i want to thank ken davis for co-hosting and again general boykin and also a special thanks out to ctn for hosting this livecast
0: good night everybody join us next time for the truth and liberty broadcast find tonight's episode and related articles and links at truthandliberty.net truth and liberty is viewer supported If you'd like to help us continue our live casts, you can make a donation at truthandliberty.net.